The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to Starving for Attention. Richard Blaze here with Jasmine Blaze. We are in San Diego, California. It is Marathon Day. For who? I mean, for 50,000 plus people in New oh, York, running oh, New York City. Got it. Uh, you thought you meant p- uh, podcast marathon? I thought, yeah, I was like, what are we in for? I better get some coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have that working already or yeah. some tea. Yeah. Uh, but this is a day, usually five of the last seven years, uh, I've woken up or right now would be pounding the pavement somewhere. In let's say it's uh, eleven o'clock, some, you know, somewhere in Queens, New York, right now. Sure. Uh, realizing why in the world that I get out here right. and try and run twenty six point two miles. Uh, but I, it's it's you know what's interesting? It's like there's a little bit of sadness last night, mm. and we had such an amazing family day yesterday with like super soccer all day long and mm-hmm. like uh, cook some pork chops and just had a good family day yesterday. But at the end of the night, I was a little. I got a little sad because I saw a lot of my friends posing, uh, you know, the pictures of their bib numbers and, you know, laying out their marathon gear the night before uh, the marathon. And uh, it's kind of, it's been a big part of my, like, my, my individual personal world. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, last year was horrible. Right. Yeah. And the year before that wasn't that great either. I mean, I think most people, if you hang up your marathon shoes, like, they get it. Yeah. Not- <laughs> like, I mean, it, it's, a, it's pretty tough pretty pretty hard it's pretty hard uh for a busy person to keep up with the training um from your perspective uh and it's hard for us as a family to to keep up with it as well so it's i want to run one with you i don't want to run one ever. you have no desire to run it i, I bet no it, desire it's, to die it is so, yeah. well i don't think you would die it's lots one of, of the most do. lots of people don't that. die running marathons i mean i think that that's a very broad <laughs> statement lots of people die but not lots people of people die running marathons than any other race. I would, I would guess. I mean, I guess that that's potentially accurate, but um, I, I can't remember the last time someone died at a New York City marathon. But I guess last we'll, year, uh, look it up. Okay, I guess I will. Yeah. I, I'm surprised that I don't remember those headlines. But um, you should do it when you, uh, you I get would, out there. I would consider a half. Okay, and then I would probably never run again. Well, we're doing. We're, we'll we'll do that. You know who is running the marathon today? Connected to this episode, Philippe de Arabian. That's right. I can't wait to ask her if she's mad at you. If she's mad at me? Like, because he's really into it now. Like, yes. Just, I saw he signed up for Paris, and, mm. um, you know, so now he's, he's in it. This know? is something and that does happen with marathons. And, you know, I don't want to be, like, selfishly, you know, say that, but it, it's hard on us. You travel a lot, and it's hard on us when you're like, all right, I'm going for a four-hour run. Well, that is, that is a little different, right? I mean, I guess if you're, like, this week I'm in three or four cities. Right. In five days, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a horrible schedule. Like, if I had to run, you know, 30 miles this week as well, it would it, make right? it just in, incredibly tough on everyone. So, I hear what you're saying. So, I, we did kind of uh, get Philippe de Arabian, husband of Melissa de Arabian, who's our guest today, Food Network star winner. Yeah. Uh, you see her on Guys Grocery Games. You see her all over Food Network. Uh, and her husband is running the New York City Marathon. He ran it last year and was no, supposed to run it. he was going to run it. No, he did run it last year, I thought. No, he was going to run it last year with you. Right, that was what it was. I think that was two years ago, and was he ended it? up running it last year. Uh, but he has run one already, yeah. and uh, 
Yeah, I remember because he because he took the train home to Virginia at the end of the race mm-hmm. last year. I remember seeing that right. that Instagram picture. Uh, but you're right, he's in it, and it's, it is one of those weird things you get addicted to. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people do. They run yeah. they run one, and then you're right. just like, I remember even in my first marathon. Then I was starting to think about like ultra marathon. This is before I even ran 25 miles, and I'm like, right. oh, maybe I'll go run 100. <laughs> so there is a weird addictive sort of uh, power of it. Uh, kind of fun to see to have Melissa the Arabian come over on a Sunday morning yeah. as she's dropping two of her. How many kids? They have yeah, she four, had, kids. four kids. Two of her kids getting dropped off at ballet. Our kids are about to go play in a soccer championship, yeah, and I feel like, like it's SoCal life. And I, yeah, or just like, like, uh, Mary, yeah, like, I feel, I feel like it's, um, very much like a perfect setting for Melissa the Arabian. Like, you know, being sort of the, the, the mom elevating your home cooking, uh, to, to, to have it on a Sunday afternoon where like, oh, yeah, our kids are all over the place. You're going to only be around for the first 15 minutes yeah, of the podcast. I'll step out somewhere in the middle and try not to make a ruckus, but yeah, we had to jettison some kids off to a soccer tournament. Yes. So. Speaking of making a ruckus, uh, I was, there was a little ruckus on the sidelines. Are you going to talk about that? <laughs> I don't, I'm going to talk about how I, you almost became a meme. I think That's we can, I think about. we can talk about it in very loose ways without getting too specific, <laughs> but I did for the first time as a sports dad yesterday, have another dad come over to me. And uh, tell me that my kid was being too aggressive, basically. Right. That my kid was setting a bad example. And uh, I'm still from New York, so I I don't really like when anyone, like, steps to me. And when someone steps to you about your kid uh, in an athletic match, it's a little – it gets a little weird. It got a little weird. Let's just say that. You you did a good job of – and and everyone around did a good job of making sure that it didn't become a meme. It was almost a little real housewife. Like, a little real housewivey. That's like, I actually like I was have to like slap you in the face. You know what? I think it was point. I think it was Bill Simmons who uh, a, a while back when I was listening to a lot of Bill Simmons was talking about how he wanted to create basically like um, little oh, little yeah, league moms yeah, yeah. of Malibu. Right. Yeah, I remember I heard that too. <laughs> uh, which which is the same thing. Like it, that's a whole culture in and of itself when you have kids that play sports or kids that are in theater or whatever it is, right? Well, again, it's not this is not a uh, rare story of parents fighting on the sidelines or Getting in a scrum with the ref, yes, or, like, right? And uh, to and be clear, there happens. was not a fight. A lot of it happens in Southern California. Yeah, there was not a fight, um, but someone did step to me, and uh, it got broke up. And then uh, you know, I'm not going to say anything, but you know, the <laughs> the proof is on the scoreboard. At the end, at the end, at the end of the day, uh, you know, uh, it, it it worked out well. But I, that's just one. You know, you gotta you gotta hustle when you're competing and anything. And like, I think that was. The issue I had is like, you know, there, there's nothing happening there except like, Melissa oh, one kid's hustle. Melissa knows a lot about a lot hustle. About yeah. Hustle. Like she hustles all the time. Right. I mean, I, I see her all over the place. She she volunteers. She's, you know, hustling on the, the Food Network game. Like we mentioned, she's got four kids like she hustles. Yeah. I think that that's what I want to as she this is we're recording this before she's here. That's what I want to get into it with her, too, mm-hmm. is like the the food, the post Food Network star win. And, and that's a really, really interesting uh, game right there. Yeah. Because, like, even, even just by the title alone, the name of the show is Food Network Star. 
Right. Right. So naturally, they give you the game plan. <laughs> what are you supposed to do from it? Like you have to be a star. It's like American Idol, right? Like what are you supposed? Right. I'm supposed to be an idol? Like it's very different than like a top chef, which sure. is a default thing we go like back you have to. Multiple avenues to go down then. Well, you got to be a star, right? And okay. the fact is, how hard is it to be an idol or a star? Incredibly hard. And I think one of the things that like a uh, Food Network star that show does, Next Food Network star, that like a top chef doesn't have to worry about is it kind of helps during the show craft what that person's angle is, mm, right? Yeah. And without having, you know, go back and watch a lot of Melissa's episodes, she was a, you know, busy working mom, cooking at home, making better food for her kids. And I know one of her things was like, how do you make Tuesday night suppers less expensive and more delicious, right? Right. Uh, a very clear, amazing angle, but then that's that's one you have to sort of like drive through, you know, your post win yeah. and your next Food Network show and all of that sort of thing. So right. I can't wait to talk to her about that because she's managed to sort of uh, maintain, survive, and keep her head above water yeah. uh, after all of that sort of stuff. So Jasmine. Yep. I want to take a minute to tell you about the Analon Advanced series. Do you oh, know yeah. about this? I do. Yeah. Just like Starving for Attention, Analon knows that food, cooking, eating, and life connect us. They're interconnected. They know that uh, connections are personal and collective, just like the ones we make here on the show. They extend across histories, social lives, cultures, and that we renew and refresh them every day through great food and great cooking, like that French toast I made today. Delicious. And that nonstick Analon pan. See mm-hmm. how I did that? Uh, that's why they're committed to making quality gourmet kitchenware. Their designs provide kitchenware that supports, grows, and sustains the connections, and they're committed to supporting, growing, and sustaining our connections on this podcast to you, and straight up, the advanced cooking line, uh, non-stick technology, uh, the first flat surface non-stick hard anodized cookware. That is a busy sentence to say, but it works, right? Like that French toast just like, honestly, sometimes even with French toast, and let's be honest, I'm an award-winning chef. Not to brag. Uh, sometimes it's easy for that custard mixture to sort of stick, even mm. on a non-stick pan. And it just like, whoop, was just right off of there today. The hard anodized construction's twice as hard as stainless steel, which is like super. It's like super stainless steel. It's easy to clean. Triple layer premium non-stick interiors as well. And it's comfortable graphite colored sure grip handles, which I really like because I like swag. I like things that have nice design. Tempered glass lids, which is something that we've always talked about, Jasmine. Like lids are important. Like what happens to all the lids? They're like socks usually in your drawer. You got to use these Analon lids. But listen, you want more? They have a lifetime warranty. Visit Macy's to shop the Analon collection or go to Analon.com now. It's going to be a fun episode. Sunday mornings, we're going to clink some coffee cups and get into this. Melissa D. Arabian right now. Melissa the Arabian. Like, you good? You have yeah. This is a ama- This is actually a perfect beginning to our uh, time together here. Oh, are we already on? Yeah, we're good. We like we like to keep it right. You're good. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. Get 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 geared up. Get the hoodie on. That's why it's like a. It's like the NBA. It's like the NBA uh, street podcast. Look at you with your crack shack hat. Oh, I know. I don't. I don't know why I threw this one on today. I think because I thought maybe we would do a selfie at the end of the. Oh yeah, we should definitely of the of the episode. By the way. Yeah. And sorry to be. No, listen. This is perfect. This is the microphone though. This is going to be close to your mouth. All right. You've done this before, but let's before we get going seriously. Let me make sure. 
or as we get going. Yes, no. Is Philippe? Is he okay? He's in the race. Oh, he's. A, I, I'm not even looking at. He started while I was driving. Right. So like he yeah. literally just started. just started. I figured he's like a mile. Yeah. Two. I'm sure right. he's fine. He's fine. So yeah. when we're done, you know, check and he'll still be running. Does right? he? Um, does does he? Because we talked a little bit about the marathon and how Jasmine feels a little bit guilty that we introduced Philippe to this well, I was just marathon. Ask, well, yeah. <laughs> Are you Do, mad at us? No, you're not. No, but I actually was thinking about that driving up here. That um, that we have you to thank for it, and I was going to use the word thank. Oh wow! Not blame. Yes. Yeah. See, uh, total different perspectives yeah, of families. But, yeah, no, I, <laughs> we, we, I I love that, but I I don't know if you knew what you were creating back that day at the crack check. Speaking of, yeah, right. right? Um, Watching had, France, I believe. I feel like it, it might have happened during like a Euro, a Euro final or something. Euro yeah. soccer yeah. situation. Exactly. And you brought that up, and Philippe said yes, and I thought. I wonder if Richard really knows what, like, Philippe's yes yeah. is like, yes, like, I am all 100%. As, so that's with everything that he does? Because he has, like, obviously, over the, now this has been two two or three years. Yeah, yeah. Like, he is, like, seriously, like, almost competitive well, he, well, status. I mean, I, that's a strong Right. <laughs> but he's out there. In marathon world, like, yeah. He's out there, but he's, like, he's going to Paris to do the marathon yeah, in a I few months. Where, where did he you posted it somewhere. Oh, he posted, yeah. he posted his post. Oh, okay. yeah, maybe, maybe the entry or the yeah, maybe something. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he is all in. That said, that's sort of not all he does. I mean, he no. still did the biking for No Kid Hungry. Of course. Last year with the year before. Mm-hmm. So he's, yeah. But all that to but say, he loves, he's, he loves it. He loves it. So his personality oh. is to be, which is also incredibly similar to mine, and probably, and both of you, are probably, I think all successful people have that sort of switch to just be like, this is all I do now. Yeah, he's. You know, even, I, mean, I know he does more than that, right. but I'm saying like, but, I do but think he, that maybe, he. Maybe a better way to say it is all in. Yeah. I'm yeah. All in. Right. So he yeah. is all in. Um, yeah, yeah, that takes you into my psyche. This is all I do right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, his, that's the difference. That's, yeah. To the exclusion yeah. of everything else. Okay. That, that part isn't Philippe, because Philippe is. As close to a multitasker as I think mm. exists, I, I don't. I don't believe in the multi. Oh, am I not? No, you're good. Usually, yeah, you say lower your voice because I'm really loud. No, no, we're so good. We're so good. So anyway, I think Philippe is as close to a multitasker as exists. Right, but, uh, because like, right, like he has obviously a family and a job and like other things that he's well, interested he can in. Do that. I'm. I. I Why are you not running with him? Well, I, I'm. I'm not a runner. <laughs> um, well, let me rephrase that. I, I actually used to be a runner. Right. You can't see it, but I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. Um, but um, my knees are such that once I really get past about 15 miles, I really I get yeah. I get injured knees. Right. So um, so I've run you know half marathons. I used to you know. Oh wow. Days. Oh oh, just like yeah. real casually, a half marathon is a is a distance most people can't ever run. Well, you can't do it without won't. training. I mean, you can't. Right. You shouldn't. Right. So. Um, and I will say this. I remember the first time I ever ran a half marathon. It was actually the San Diego half marathon, and it was 20 years ago when I didn't live in San Diego. Um, I remember going through the finish line and, like, feeling really good. Like, right. oh, I did this. Yeah. So I must have been, like, in my late 20s, yeah. right? And I, like, felt great, and I'm, like, running. And I'm, like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to see what time I'm at. And, what, you know, and as I'm running through... I can hear the you know the announcer saying, and now crossing the finish line, eighty nine years old, you know, right. whatever. Right. Like, okay, I suck. Right. Um, and then that was the first thing I remember. And then the second thing I remember Sorry. is there is no sum of money big enough to have me turn around and run this backward, so I will never do a marathon. 
Ah. To double so, it. So, yeah, yeah. Th- th- that's what happened. I will so, say it yeah. is a thrill, though. You're right. Like, that is one of the, and I'm probably Philippe has that sort of like the meal after a marathon to just get right into the food part of it is like, there's, you have no guilt about anything that you eat for the next, you know, 36 Here. hours. <laughs> right. Or, 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 right, a week. Right. Uh, that meal is like one of the best meals ever. Okay, like, I'm jealous so, that I'm not running it today because I can, can eat like a 48 ounce dry age ribeye steak. Can I ask you a question? So, you, um, so, because you brought up, oh, well, then you don't have any guilt about it. I feel like if you wanted to have a big meal, you could have it without guilt anyway. I don't think you need to run a marathon like this. this are you talking marathon. about people in general or are you talking yeah, about well, yeah, me in specifically? No, okay. In general. Right. Uh, but yeah, this. <laughs> Jasmine can say both. I'm yeah. talking generally, um, Jasmine speaking yes. specifically. But it's just interesting. I do think that there is this narrative going on in, in the food and social and exercise world that mm. we earn our food by exercising. Mm. Uh, I think there are certain foods, though, that should be earned, right? I mean, especially you. You're in, you're in, in shape. Your husband's running marathons. All your kids are in, in like, incredible shape. Like, don't you think that there are some, like, you know, there's, there's, you can have an excessive amount of fat or carbs or sugar and like, I mean, that's kids and sugar. I don't even know what your, what is your angle on kids well, and sugar and Well, if you ask my intake. kids, I'm the meanest mom. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's yeah, what I mean. They burn so, their Halloween candy. Oh, oh. That's what they think, at least. Like, it's, So that means that you are, you know, you're monitoring their sugar intake. For sure. Only because I think that I'm, uh, you know, I'm the parent and I have context that they don't. Yes. Right? Right. Um. That said, uh, so sugar and sort of the general sense of guilt, so now we're broadening the conversation uh, <laughs> and narrowing it at the same time. Um, but so I like to answer to do. your question, yeah. um, I still don't believe in earning mm. food. Right. It, it's that concept. I get that. that. I, I, I believe in right-sizing food. I believe in fueling our bodies and... Um, and receiving the gift of food. I, re- I believe in a lot of that. Um, I still do reject the notion of earning to, the right to eat via exercise. I like that. I, I think mm. we should be celebrating exercise for what it does for our body. I yeah. believe in eating healthy for what it does for our body. Um, and I also believe in you know some Halloween candy or whatever yeah. Yeah. because um, you know we're meant to have joy and delight in this world. Yeah. Um, so I, I believe in a lot of those things. It's the, I guess the causality or the, you know, the if-then relationship that I'm sort of against. Mm. Right. I feel the same way about the idea of a cheat day. Well, that's what it is. Yeah, that, I, well, that's what I, you're yeah. talking about. Kind of it is. No, you're talking, is it the same exact thing? Talking about the, that's what I was just going to say is that they get rid of the cheat day memes like, is what Melissa is saying. Like, you're, right. You've earned a cheat day, basically. Is that what we're right, saying? It's it, the same right. same sort of yeah. thing. Hmm. I, I don't. I, I guess it's just. The, I guess it's just the the way that it sounds, though. Like the way it's marketed. Mm-hmm. Like earning something sounds like something you drive towards. Cheating on something sounds like something you should never be doing. I don't earned. know. Cheating means you haven't earned. It. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> That's, exactly. <laughs> but they are. But they are basically yeah. similar. Yeah. Now, you know what's interesting when you mention all of that. Um, like you have some obviously specific thoughts about what you're talking about, like, 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 uh, you know, earning food and like, that's part of your brand. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, no, you're, 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 it's, yeah, well, yeah, you're, yeah, but, like but okay. A hundred percent that your right, brand right. is authentic. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's something that like, I don't have to worry as much about. Like I can make a, my pivots can yeah. be much harder where you, where you, I feel like you have to have this, this, this core, these pillars of what your belief system, your brand are, mm-hmm. because you're speaking to so many people, I think as the like authority, you know, chef, 
you know, home cook, mom, person that is an authority on this. And like, if you say, I don't believe it, like you can't change your opinion next week where I can change my opinion tomorrow. Why hmm. do you feel that? I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on, on, on not you specifically, but the idea of being the authority for like home, home cooking oh, well, I because think, it's much more personal. Okay, I get what you're saying. I, yeah. I think you're saying, I mean, because it's a conversation <laughs> we have a lot because your brand is not clearly defined. You feel like her brand is so clearly defined that she has a, a you know, like you have to stay There's a within lane. these lanes. Well, not even the lane, but just if you if you're going to assert yourself someplace, then that becomes part of. Or that people put it this way: I don't think people really would care if I said I don't right. believe in earned food. And I think that there's a. I'm going to piggyback on what both of you are saying and saying. Well, perhaps there is a. Um, there's a different set of rules, perhaps, when somebody's asserting themselves as a in a way, a parenting expert. Yes, uh, right. And yeah. a, yes. a real philosophy. There's, there's, there are deeply held beliefs that, um, that hold up a philosophy on parenting, raising kids, and sort of these big things in life versus, oh, I'm against the swoosh in my plating. Oh, now I like the swoosh. Right. Do you know what I mean? And, and I, Which isn't to say that mm. your voice is, um, is less uh, important. I don't know. No, it is. I, I, I believe it is. It's, it's as, it's, it's, the point is, is that it's perhaps a little bit more wrapped up in your artistic talent, which people are willing to sort of say, oh, you know, if Richard Blaze says the swoosh is cool again, then that, then you're right. You're more, you're, you're, you're in people's homes, like you said, and you're in their families. And like, just like we were talking about how I got into a minor little uh, sideline scrap with a, a dad yesterday at a soccer game. <laughs> Did you? Like it when you, when when it's fi- when it's families and kids and like it, it, it there's a there's a greater well, there's tension. No, there's no to, For to, sure. to build right. on what you said. There's no um, pro or or anti swoosh in Palladian factions, right? But there are pro and anti, you know, in family dynamics and in feeding your kids sugar and, right. right. So there there are so strong sentiments there. Whereas a lot of the things you're dealing with, like you're saying, are artistic and creative so, and can wish and wash with the day. You know? Yeah. So, Melissa, when you're online and you say something like, I don't believe in this idea of earned food, and then someone chimes in, well, I, you know, I disagree with you. My family, blah, 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 blah. How do you, how do you deal with that since, since they, these are like more hot topics, I feel like? Well, so... The, or does that even happen? No, you might it, just no, be so it, no, angelic just, that yeah, no, no, no one it, comes no, at no, you no, ever. No, it does happen. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, I'll throw out there and say that there are even other topics that are, I mean, you brought up this sort of earned food thing, right. but there are other topics that I talk about that I have strong feelings about that oh, I do get pushback. Um, so to answer your question, how do I deal with that? Well, one, I, I don't tend to, and not just because of having a public face, but just in life, I don't tend to assert um, strong opinions without having given them some due thought and without having them be linked to a deeper fundamental value system. Mm. So um, I guess what I'm saying is it's sort of easy to defend um, my, my positions when, right. when I, I really am very who, who edits for you then? So when you're like ready to clap back on, on, <laughs> on social media... Um, and you're a cool kid. You know what clap back clap back means, right? Like, 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 like respond. Like, <laughs> right, but like react. Right, right. Like, yeah. like, um, in are you like? Do you edit like self edit or like do you like or do you have a team? Is but I don't. Uh, I don't. I, I'm not somebody who you know feels yeah. us need to react right away. And that's that's 
that's not how that's not my personality. Yeah, but it's hard sometimes. Yeah, I mean that's true. Online is there. You have a. Uh, I mean, in real life too. I think you're composed. You have composure. I, I think so. I'm probably more so online simply because there is that delay. Right. Um, and I don't sit. I don't put something out there online and then sit and stare and wait to see how people respond. Right. I tend to then come back later and see a group of response in which maybe there's you know one or two that are um, uh, you know that need a. Right, and if it's like a theme, which is like every even a restaurateur, like if if you got five Yelps that are saying the same thing, it deserves a response, and maybe there, and maybe there's some validity to and what they're some saying. Validity right. to it. So maybe the way the person has explained it hasn't been the best, but maybe there's something valuable to to hear there. Right. Um, you know, everything is. My ideas and my philosophies are always open for discussion, debate, for pressure testing, and I welcome that. Um, so I. I don't have a problem at all. You just did an amazing thing. You moved your family from the West Coast to the East Coast for a year or two. For I mean, I know there was some other, like, you know, no, personal. There was, there was no you just did it to just move, right? Which is like, a, yeah. the, I mean, you're a baller. Like, like that is something that. Testing. Yeah, yes. like <laughs> we, were, we were blown away that you did that, but also like incredible, like you're jealous, jealous in a good yeah, way. Yeah, like jealous, jealous like, wow, that's like, how, how you know you got it together when you can do it. Did your. Again, I'm going to say brand. I, you're, you seem reluctant to use the word brand, but does, did your brand um, ch- or did things change because you now had? Like, I know you've been all over the world and the country, but like living on the East Coast, did that change your brand a little it bit? It did. Um, I, I have to say, it was. I was surprised by some of the reaction. I, well, I'll, I'll start by saying I naively thought that I would just probably go there. It wouldn't matter to, any, to anybody, and I didn't have to. I didn't have to kind of make that part of my brand. I sort of thought we'll be there for a year. What's mm-hmm. it's like an extended vacation? Who who cares? Right. And I most of my stuff is done from afar anyway. So what's the difference? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was definitely some uh, pushback. People sort of wanting to know where where I was. Wait, what you? They're confused. People. It turns out people kind of get upset when you move. And I should have known that. Interesting. When I moved out of Dallas. Um, after Food Network Star, there was actual anger. Like there were, the, there was like articles wow. written in like the Dallas Morning. You're like, like how dare you leave? Right. Like, what? Like what? My husband got a job. I'm not allowed to have my family follow my mm. yeah. job to the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, we moved to Seattle back then. But anyway, yeah. So I, I should have seen it coming, and the truth is, I didn't. Hmm. You need to go to soccer. Yeah, I'm you're going to bounce. Gonna uh, go we're going to keep the mic on and just keep yeah. going. So just say goodbye. Wait, I don't want to leave. This is I know. It's really good because we're really home. getting into it because this is the stuff I know you wanted to talk about. <laughs> hey, listen, here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of unless you listen to every episode of this show. Then you're very aware <laughs> that a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range and also to just look a little weird if you're doing that in a parking lot. Well, here's another tip you might not know about. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features, Jasmine, in, they're not available in all states. Right. Um, so you move your family and you have to deal with like a city sort of like being upset. 
So I, I, I dealt with this as well. well like, you must have really dealt with that leaving Atlanta. Same thing. Uh, you also had restaurants there. Like you yeah. really had an identity there. People, you were like, it's like the Chargers going to LA, uh, you know, when you mm, left it. Oh, wow. I like, I like that. That makes me feel really awful about it now uh, since well, I'm a sports fan. But you're right. There is a, there's an understandable, like, oh, you, you won this thing while you were on our team. Like that's, that's the perception. That is the perception. And it's not the case. The case is like for both of us, like, it, like you had said, it doesn't really matter where you live. Because you're doing things all over the country anyway, and like a cookbook's a cookbook, and a TV show, people don't even know where they film anyway, and like, uh, but I, I, I can understand that. Like, do you think? I think some of that also has to do with, although I don't have the metrics, and neither do you, with the idea of like the South also is very like. I'm going to consider Dallas part of the South, you know. Texas, Georgia, there's like, there is like a, we're the home, we're the home team. And now you left us. Like there's a a betrayal. Exactly. In a sense. And when we moved to, um, Washington DC just for the year, um, I I think also there was just confusion, which I, I own. I should have, I I should have realized that would confuse people because I do the weekly it's Tuesday night somewhere in my kitchen. Right. And now suddenly I was in this I would think that would be great, though, though well, that people were excited. Like some, yes, super. It just became something that I kind of had to explain. So then I finally had like a, you know, okay, let me explain what's going on. But you know, not everybody, as you know, is always watching every video every time. So it just became sort of a weekly thing where people are like, I'm so confused. Where are you? What you know? And, right. And so That's... even if there wasn't backlash with everybody, um, there was still confusion that I had to manage and then, you know, but I also didn't want to get too far down the path because I'm like, well, actually in eight weeks, hmm. I'm going to be back in my old kitchen. Right. The problem's going to be solved. Well, that's... So it was... It, it was and you, I, I'm going to guess, I'm, I'm assuming, I don't, I don't stalk you is what I'm saying, but like, I'm assuming like you didn't probably see a ton of like backlash from like San Diego proper or like Southern California proper. No, this, no. And this goes back to the sports. You had mentioned the Chargers thing. Yeah. So this is just something that, like, there are some cities that, like, are all about That's their true. sports teams. Like, uh, Pittsburgh's a great example, right? But, like, Miami or Southern California, like, it's not, you know, yes, there are sports teams and people follow them. But, like, when they leave, like, okay, big deal. There's still beaches. Yes. <laughs> There's still, still beaches. We still there's, have the ocean. There's still a sunset, right? There's, so the, like, the, the city yeah. isn't as tied into like no, a, a, a couple of celebrities or a team. I do, I do think. And, and, and the move from Dallas to the West Coast was a much bigger move. One, it was permanent. Did, um, and two, um, people had just felt like they had just cheered me on. And they felt like they had some ownership in the fact that I had one food network star and which makes sense, yeah. which so I always a say little bit different. now having left Atlanta, I go back there all the time for work, but I got, get it like too, like I, cause I miss Atlanta as much as perhaps in the early part of it, they miss me, which is like, yeah, they missed you a lot. Well, I miss, uh, but I miss, oh, well, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, I do stalk you. That's Well, I appreciate it. I'm glad I have one person that's close to me that, that keeps an eye on what I'm doing. Did it change? Did the, the East coast, West coast thing, did it change or now or any of those moves, Dallas, Seattle, did it change like your food at all? Um, I mean, outside of the natural things like, oh, it's seasonality is a little bit more important in the mid Atlantic. Um, So to answer your question, it changed it to that, to exactly that extent. Listen, the seasonality is a little bit different. I couldn't get the same food, um, certainly produce on the East coast as I could get on the West coast. What really changed about what I, uh, about my, my job, um, would be what I was doing. I took that time to write my next book. Right. So I, um, and we also knew that Philippe, who still works in Seattle, 
Um, he, we knew that he would be flying back and forth still from D.C. Right. So he kept his job. So it just meant a lot more travel time for Philippe. He didn't travel more often, but each flight took longer. Sure. So, um, Which people sleep on those Seattle flights, by the way. Like the longest, I think, domestic flight you can take is Miami to Seattle. Yeah. It's, it's a like long, a seven-hour yes. flight. It, yeah. It's, it's like a, flying it's to long. Paris from New York. Well, okay. and D.C. isn't one of those um, airports that has a lot of direct flights. Right. So everything was changing planes. So it turned, it, it, basically he lost a day each way. Right. And so what used to be him being able to fly up for, you know, you know, on a Tuesday morning and come back on a you know, Wednesday night right. and still get two days in the office turned into a four-day problem um, in, in D.C. So he was traveling more, but we knew that I was going to be writing my next book. So I traveled less. So I did less. So it was um, – so my work changed. The food was informed a little. And actually, I think that's nice to – be sensitive to the fact that the rest of the country does not get, you know, mm. asparagus in you know, October. I was going to mention that. So this is kind of where I was going is do, do you feel like, you know, again, because I've been on the West Coast now for a number of years as well, like there becomes an unintentional mm-hmm. elitism mm-hmm. with the ability to great grab like organic produce or... Or go to the farmer's market every Tuesday in December when, like, you know, it's snowing everywhere else pretty much in the country. Did you have to – but your brand is not very – like, yes, I know you uh, obviously tout the merits of, like, great, you know, farm-to-table produce and go to the farmer's market when you can. But you're also known for, like, keeping families – like keeping it real. Keeping it real. Shopping. And like on a Tuesday night. Safely on a Tuesday. (laughs) On a Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, and you bring up a really – important thing which is um you know food identity and and the luxury of being able to cling to food identity um and as a society if we have a food identity that the average family can't keep up we need to acknowledge the elitism in that so if we only eat organic food or we only have you know farm to table meals um and don't give room for um, the dignity of the produce aisle or whatever, you know, as it stands for the average American, I think we're doing a disservice um, in a, as a voice in the food space. Right. So, yeah. So to your point, I think it's really um, helpful and it certainly informed that core belief of mine that, um, that we need to be careful about food identity. Right. Um, and, and, and how elitist it actually is. Yeah, I, I am totally on the same page. A lot of people, especially when you, whatever, become a chef that's known for creative food or whatever, you know, the idea of like, oh, I can't believe he would use frozen peas or whatever it is. It's mm-hmm. like, well, no, they're good. And I use them and cook them at home. And sometimes they're actually better than, you know, organic mm-hmm. peas that you can buy at the farmer's market. Um, but being able to connect with everyone and not just live in that one world. In the same way, especially with your brand, um, and you're, you're uh, so you don't like when I say brand. I'm trying no, to figure I, out <laughs> with your style. You're, you're talking um, to you, NBA marketing. Well, okay, great. Yeah, no, so this I, is a marketing no thing. Problem with brand. So how do you feel about? And again, a lot of our friends, and I know you're friends with people like this too. The A-list celebrity who has now become the food personality. So I won't mention any names or like it, but it's a genre now. It used to be mm-hmm. just be one or two people, and now it's a number of of um, you know. Hey, I was a star in a eighty or nineties you know sitcom, or I'm a movie star, and now I'm like doing only glossy, beautiful farm to table produce in my mansion in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how do you feel in general about that genre? Okay, well, 
Because I have thoughts, but think, it's closer to you than it I is think, to me. Yes, true. I think that there are two things that happen, one of which is good and one which is bad. Right. The good news is that if watching a celebrity in their home kitchen gets people interested in cooking in their home kitchens um, and sort of widens the door of, let's call the, you know, the celebrity food space from what it has traditionally been. And by traditionally, I mean, you know, 10 and 15 years ago, it traditionally was just restaurant chefs. Right. Right. And that's why I think Rachel Ray was such a, you know, a disruptor of that industry. Like, wait a minute. It also is cooking at home. But in general, the voice that has been most celebrated in this food celebrity space is the restaurant chef. And I love that voice. I think there's so much value in it. However, um, I am not sure that the restaurant chef voice is necessarily speaking to somebody who needs to get dinner on the table on a Tuesday night with screaming kids. Right. right? Okay, well, one, is- one, they might not, because a lot of us, and it took me years to even get close, and I don't even know if I'm doing it now, are incapable. Yeah, well, and, and, We're incapable of being able to relate. But and, and that voice in food is super valuable. I love that chef voice in food. I think it's, and I love watching what you do, and I, you're brilliant, and, <laughs> and I love that. Okay, so these these celebrities yes. who are bringing people into their their home kitchen. If the door to cooking your own food is widened and made available to more people because they watch that and they're interested in the celebrity, but then they end up being interested in their own food and cooking, then I think there's really good news there. I think the danger is that food television, cookbooks become... Uh, more of a uh, voyeurism exercise than an actual action exercise. And if people start just watching these shows but aren't actually cooking themselves, mm. I think the danger is that they can actually, you're, they are food adjacent, meaning they think that they're a foodie, they think that they're cooking, they even call themselves a foodie because they're watching so much of this. Right. But really, when it comes down to it, they're not actually cooking for themselves. Right. So, that, and I think that danger is there is greater. Do you think a lot of people, I mean, you know more than I do, like, do you think a lot of people actually are watching, you know, uh, Food Network and actually then cooking, though? Because I've heard even in previous regimes, not the current one or the last three probably, but that, you know, Food Network is a, someone told me once, it's a eating channel, not a cooking channel. Meaning, like people are watching to you know figure out what to order, or what to eat, or what restaurant to go to, or but but rarely is someone sitting down, maybe on a Sunday morning block, or maybe when they're watching you, like taking notes and like, oh, I'm going to make delicata squash tonight with you know pine nuts and raisins or whatever it is. I think it has become more that right. Okay, um, and I think you know which came first, right? Was the audience doing that, and then the, then the programming followed, or was the well? I think it was right. right? So yeah. I think in the history yes. of food television, at one point people were watching for education, yes. and they were cooking. Okay. Which right. is why, I mean, if you look now, there are very few in the kitchen. You know what they call the ITK blocks, which is right. In the well, kitchen. what is an ITK block? ITK is in the kitchen. Oh, and that is dump and stir. That's dump and right. stir. Okay. It's it's an which is a horrible. Video. By the way, I do want to name a. Uh, I want to do a Chinese restaurant called Dump and Stir. I just feel like the walk and like Dump and Stir, and, and like only film it. it, only do it via like live footage. 
<laughs> I don't know, like combine the two, but I, Dump and Stir is one of the worst. So you have like a TV show like, and the restaurant happening at the same time? I don't know. I'm just, this is literally you and I just developing yeah. this concept. But I like, I well, love and hate the term Dump and Stir. And for those, our, our audience might not know, it's what it, you want to explain what Dump well, and Stir is. Dump and Stir is exactly what it sounds like, right? right. Like your Dump and Stir is not, not considered a good thing in the world of, of ITK right. in the kitchen, which um, that refers to like when you have all of the ingredients all prepped out in little bowls and all you do is dump those ingredients into right. a bowl and stir and that's all you're doing and in the world of creating in the kitchen mm. tv we try to avoid dumpings right as do much you? as we can yes uh, uh, well I, I should say on my show we did not right. all producers have that philosophy but uh Mark right. does well it's very hard i mean it's not this is great we're on a side tangent which is awesome like if you watch like old julia child or like maybe i'm assuming what you do like no if i'm breaking down a chicken you're gonna watch me break down the whole right. chicken mm-hmm. not just like i make this one cut jump cut jump cut here's four pieces you know here's two thighs and you know here's the chicken broken down yeah my guiding principle is this i want to show you the ingredient as you're going to see it when you procure it right that's what i want to do now because of television being what it is that is not always possible but um when we would set up for um for ten dollar dinners we would sort of say which of these ingredients can we break down that's the least interesting meaning the most sure that the person already knows how to do it right does that make sense? Yeah. So if I have to peel an orange, I'm making it up. I, I can safely assume people can imagine what the orange look like with the peel on and that the average person knows how to peel an orange. But if I take a chicken and I say, now, I highly recommend that you buy your whole chicken and you, you break it down, whatever. So I've gone ahead and done that. Right. And now let's go like, whoa, right. hold it back. Mm, that's interesting. You, yeah, you know, I love you, that. You've jumped over too much. Yeah. Right? You've skipped over the part that I need to know. I can, it's very, that's very interesting because I totally agree with what you're saying uh, and for your audience specifically. Hey, listen, uh, Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. You can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. No credit card needed. No sign up. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Make sure to stick around after this podcast to get the latest headlines from the AP News Minute. Can't get enough Richard Blaze? Then take a listen to any of Podcast One's other fantastic food shows. Every Wednesday, Michelle Davis and Matt Holloway of Forked Up, a Thug Kitchen podcast, serve up their own brand of food, politics, and pop culture. And chef Rick Bayless and food journalist Steve Delinsky team up every Wednesday to travel the globe while tackling food trends on The Feed. Check out Thug Kitchen and The Feed every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Now back to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. I do a lot of live shows, as you know, like basically travel the country and try and like just get out there, you know, and like do it in front of people where I'm not doing my Tuesday night show because I don't have a Tuesday night show, although... We should talk about launching a Richard Blaze Thursday night. Yeah, Thursday. Tuesday is taken. But like, I'm almost. I have to get to the point where I'm blowing something up, or you know, bringing out a blowtorch, or like smoking something in a giant container. Like, I have to get to that point where it's like, no, I cut this lady in half, and look, she's you know, she's back together again. Where I almost b- bypass all of the educational stuff just because I feel like sometimes my fans are looking for the when is the nitrogen coming? Get to the nitrogen. That's the stuff we want to see. Well, this I mean, is just me now going, getting guidance from you. But you yeah. have you have a different voice, right? 
Right? You have a different... The, the truth of the matter I have many is, voices, by the way, in my head. That, that's the scary part. <laughs> uh, but you aren't... No one's going home and, and hooking up... Well, I don't know. That might be an issue, though. That's, that, that's also kind of the issue. There are some, like... I think my, some of my fan base is more interested in, like, I want to build that flamethrower, too, in my garage, which actually might be the show, <laughs> um, versus, yeah, how do you break and down that chicken? Are. Right. I mean, some people are... are they are going to do that. Right. Um, but I think that's a different voice and I think it's a valid voice. And I don't think, um, and that doesn't mean that you need to, um, you know, immediately drop, um, the, you know, the home cook who actually wants to take the, the best of you and reproduce that at home. You know, like you're, I mean, try this at home it was right. in the title of your book. You are inviting yes. people. And, and there was actually something like I couldn't say, try this at home. People would be like, well, everything you do, I can do at home. Right. Like, do this at home. That would right. be my book. Right. Do nice. this at home. <laughs> for, um, for, for, do this at home. for 17 bucks and on right. yes. uh, we, a yeah. weekday night. Yeah. Right. But you are trying, it's in the title. Right. Right. Which is your brand is that you are, I don't I want to say above. That's the wrong word. Cause you are so not elitist in, 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 in your genius. Um, which is, by the way, one of the things I really love about you, and I, I don't know if all of your listeners really appreciate how smart you are. I think they know that. But you get, um, you get in this, guys. But yeah. I think, <laughs> but also how humble you are in it, and not in a Ooh. false humility sort of. Right. No, no, no. Okay. I, no, just for a moment, I, I really, uh, you are. Um, you are one of my smartest friends and you are one of my favorite people in the food space because your food voice, um, you have never bought your own press. Um, and, and it's so genuine and it's so real. And what's great is then you have, you know, spaghetti in the nude with your family. Right. You know, which uh, if so anybody has your first book, they know yes, what I'm talking about. They're going to be like, yeah, there's what? There's naked. Like, what? Yeah, there's a, na- a naked, naked family. Um, it is Sunday. That could oh, happen yes. later, so yeah. I, 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 I'm glad you brought it up. Um, as a side note, did I, did I ever tell you about the time that I, um, I made your um, seawater potatoes? Oh, I did. I, but did I, you yeah. dust off the salt? I know there was an issue, right? There was just like so much salt on them or something? Or no. Okay. No. Oh, you heat reheated them or something? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so this tells me how to... Yeah, no, I made it, which by the way, I highly recommend the recipe. Yes. What I don't recommend is what I did, which is I went right down to the beach. Right. Right? Where, oh, yeah, yeah. You, gotta, you, gotta, you, know, you did it. You real hardcore. I'm throwing in, you know, salt from, <laughs> yes. you know, from Morton's, like, and, fuck. Right. No, I've got seawater, like... Yes. Yeah. You which know, you, I pay the mortgage, I'm getting the seawater. Yeah. Well, I made the potatoes, and served them to my family... And then that night, heard that our beaches were all closed due to a sewage. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'll have to put a double asterisk next to that I recipe next time I do. My family. You boiled it. I boiled. Yeah, it's you boiled fine. it. Yeah. But I gotta tell you. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's fine. Everyone was fine. Yeah. This is yeah. So they're good. Yeah. Um, but my point is, that they have superpowers yeah, now. What's, what's great is. I love it when you take your genius and then you put it in recipes that we... Well, you're uh, incredibly kind. What I, I mean, that specific recipe too, if people... It's like potatoes cooked in seawater and it's literally an old sailor's recipe. It's mm-hmm. from like, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know, beach faring uh, and portside cities where the you know, sailors would go out and you know, cook on the boat or come back and uh, you know, cook with seawater. So it's an old recipe. Yeah. And which is another thing that's interesting about uh, my, my stuff is that a lot of people think I'm being incredibly creative when I'm just like taking a recipe from 1650 uh, and re-envisioning it or using well, mo- it, a modern touch of it. And you know it. what? It's also because there is not a fact or an idea or something about food that 
that gets by you. I feel like anything that happens, like you remember, you retain, and then it swims in your head and then it comes out in some sort of creative way. And, um, and, and but it's true. Every time you say something, like I hear like a little bit of history, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I think, I wonder how many of us were exposed to that information and it just didn't stick with mm. us in the way that it sticks with you. I think that you are hardwired to, to, Interesting. Well, I we should just do one uh, an offline episode where you just tell me great things oh, about great myself, things about and I you. feel really yeah. good. And then you can just play whatever you're feeling. Down <laughs> um, and low. right back at you. I mean, to be honest, like I mean, uh, well, no, yeah. no, that's not true. No, 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 but no, but I'm I'm, I'm, I'm just saying your your uh, your authenticity, right? About Melissa, <laughs> the the authentic your authenticity, right? I, I think like a strength, and like we're in a time uh, right now where authenticity is like. And you said you're a mar- you're, you have a marketing degree, right? You're a marketer. Like, well, I mean, we I all are. We all are in a certain degree. Yeah, no, but, but I have a master's degree in business, and right. part of that is marketing. So I have no. Problem. But the idea, like uh, authenticity, is a yeah. huge thing right now. Where, like, even when we're talking about these celebrities who are cooking, there's this sort of halo around their kitchen, mm-hmm. and like, you know, most people can see through the fact that like that's kind of scripted, that's a little, you know, filtered. Um, where are you at with like revealing? Like the true authenticity, like even on even when you're cooking or like when you're talking about your family, like how much do you think should be revealed? Because now you have a lot of people even on like social media that are just every post is just like it's it's I think we're starting to celebrate authenticity too much. And that's an interesting mm-hmm. comment to say. Like we're celebrating the hard work and the failure um, almost too much. It does take hard work and you're going to fail so many times. But I feel like that's becoming now a cool thing. To be like, oh, look, I messed this up. I'm trying so hard. I work so hard. Um, like, we're, 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 it's cool to talk about the process. Am I making any sense? Um, a lot of this comes from stuff I'm, I've been reading lately about a lot of, you know, specifically social media brands that are just really deep down in the like, no, you got to work hard and you got to suck it up and it's going to be horrible and like, you know, one day you'll make it. And uh, I don't know how I feel about that message all the time. So, where are you on out this? Uh, on. That's a lot of a lot of different messages to revealing comment. failure. Revealing but, failure. Um, listen, I have no problem. I, I'm trying to. Th- are you thinking about in the food space? I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Well, let's. I mean, let, we can start with the food space, right? So, like uh, on your show, if something gets burnt, like do you do you talk about it getting something getting burnt or <laughs> something getting live or not? Or so, <laughs> right. Well, if it's live, <laughs> you have no choice, right? Um, <laughs> or or do you or even within when you're writing a byline or when you're writing a header for one of your recipes like uh, you know when people okay, ask so, you about failure like so do you let's talk about failure and, do you fail in the kitchen yeah, at home and how that fits right. into, into social media and all of that because right. social media is so tricky because uh, well here social media as you know is it's a really massaged um, inauthentic the more we massage anything the more inauthentic it gets right the further it gets away from sort of the truth and even the failure we massage and we fail in sort of a humble way um, that's what I'm saying you just you just you just basically a and, lot more concise than I did so that that talked about what I'm talking the same about. category right? right they're the same thing right um, you know success in a humble way and failure in a humble way um, are, are two sides to the same coin right they're they're both inauthentic um, I think in our social media posts, whether it be, um, you know, professional posts, you know, like brand posts, whether it be me just posting on my personal Facebook to my friends and like whatever, I, the guiding principle that I always use is, and also when I'm telling a story about myself, my family, or sharing with you, you know, whatever, socially, whatever, am I inadvertently making myself 
the quiet hero of this story. Mm. And if I am, then for me, it doesn't feel right. Right. Whatever that is. Am I the hero because I failed and moved on? Am I the hero because I succeeded and had a glossy Thanksgiving? There are lots of versions of being the hero. Am I the hero because, um, you know, my kid did X, Y, Z, hashtag proud mama, right. you know, whatever. And the way I can tell. Is that a real hashtag? I'm sure. Like, yeah. oh, proud mom yeah. moment. Yeah. If you're saying proud mom moment, you're probably making yourself the hero. Right. That's, that's a tip off. Right. And, and another tip off for me is if any comments come back saying, you're such a good mom, you're such a good baby, you know, but that to me says, ooh, I have made myself the quiet hero of this story. And I'm really uncomfortable with that. Right. Now, there is, now on the flip side, we also have to be experts. Right. Right. And, and people also want to, um, see a, a, um, an aspirational version of, of who I am and of my brand. Right. right. Because otherwise if they wanted to see Sally from next door, well, they'll go to Sally next door's house. Like, right. They want to see something aspirational. So the trick is how do we become aspirational? How do we show expertise? How do we share about the good stuff in our lives? How do we share about our failures in a way that we maintain our authenticity and we don't quietly make ourselves the hero of that story? And that to me is where the magic is. That's what's hard to do. And I think a lot of social media, when I look at it, fails. Right. I feel, I mean, isn't it that there's an old saying, it's like you want to either be that person, you can't stand that person, or you want to be like best friends with that person. Like there's like three angles always. Oh. Or Someone told me something like that. Ooh. And like, if you're not one of those three things to everybody, then, or like to, to, to your base, then to you're your base. probably not doing something. Well, and, and, and you can't be the same thing to everybody. Right. Right. Um, Cause if you're the same thing to everybody, by definition, you're sort of nothing. Yeah. What is so you do your Tuesday night? Talk to me about this too, because you basically launched your own television channel program. Well, it's a it's a Facebook show. Yeah, but I mean, at this point, I mean, that's the interesting thing, though, right? Yeah. Like, it is. It's it's. I mean, that's what social media is, especially now with the ability to, to record like whatever you want. Yeah. Like you did something that I've been trying to do for two years. Like I'm every every morning I wake up and say I'm just going to do my own show, and you've done it for how long? And what is it? Well, I literally. Uh, my husband, he, um, he, he works for Microsoft, but um, his um, area of, he works in alliances, was, was Facebook. So he, anything that comes on Facebook, he would know sort of, you know, ahead of time and we were on our game. So literally, I think it was the day that Facebook Live came out, um, I thought, I'm just going to try it out. Yeah. And I literally put my phone on the side of my counter and made dinner for my family. Like in real time, yeah. which is a long time for people to sure. watch. Sure. Was it like an hour? Uh... It's like 50 minutes. <laughs> right. Like nice. 45 minutes. It was... And it's really early in, the, in that part of the platform. Yeah. So you're yeah. like, so I have no idea. Like, We're just no, testing this yeah, out. Nope. Yeah, right. exactly. Okay. And so I just did that. And then, um, and then sort of it morphed into the Tuesday and then it morphed into sort of the show. But it started out with just, um, I thought it would be fun to try it the first day it came out. And so I did it. Right. So who's um, produced, who produces it now, now that it's, we do it. I do it. Right. I, yeah. My husband, if my husband's in town and home, then he, he does it. he's shooter um, director and you're, well, uh, or, she, yeah, he, shoots. Okay. he doesn't direct. Right. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, so we just started doing that. We just started doing it Yeah. and, and we just kept going. Um, and so we've been doing it now for 
two and a half years. That's amazing. Yeah, congratulations. No, because you did like, and and I'm, I'm assuming like that encourages like you would encourage anyone in any sort of with any sort of interest to to go do that, right? Well, <laughs> I'm saying if you're interest, no. Uh, I mean, this is mostly food, right? You're yeah. still dealing mostly oh, with food. I'm only okay, food. only food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if you if you build dollhouse furniture, like it's a great it's a great world to be in, right? Listen, now. Listen, here's what I would say: if somebody wants to have their own show and they build dollhouse furniture, I certainly think that there's no the barriers to entry now are lower than they've ever been. Right. So if not now, then when? And there's more so interest sure. in the niche. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, and the cost of entry is so low. You can start with your phone. I mean, we then later switched to equipment and, you know, and upgraded and invested in that. Um, so absolutely. The barriers to entry are low and it's, it's prime for the doing. Nice. So yes, you, yes, you can do it. Um, we go, we're going to get into a game in a little bit. You okay oh, to have some fun? Yeah. Before we do that, no, what would your, <laughs> how would, this has not been anything but boring. Um, what would you recommend to someone who is just starting there? Like, I want to go on uh, a television show or a food network and I want to, you know, I want to make a brand for myself and I have maybe, a, you know, a little blog. I've, I have, I've started something. Like, I'm not just like st- going from scratch. Uh, I What's your say, advice? I, I really think that getting, if you want to be on TV, I think the best thing you can do is start building video on yourself. And it's so easy and cheap to do that now. Right. I mean, literally, you can do it with an iPhone. You can even with an iPhone have, um, you know, have a lavalier mic and have the quality of sound that you need. So it can, you can do it for like 50 bucks. Yeah. So there's no reason for you not to have video. The other thing I would say that is good about doing like a weekly show or some people do daily shows or whatever is the more you're on camera, the less the camera bothers you. Right. Because that's a tricky thing to get past is to feel like, oh, the camera's going. And, you know, and I would highly recommend doing it live because when it's live, then you can't rethink it, restart and redo it. And what, you know, you can't, you can't, sure. you can't, you don't have that luxury. Um, and I think that's a really good skill set to have is to not be afraid of the camera. Because, you know, the camera is dark and cold and, and shiny. It's not warm. It's not like when you sit in a TV room, like I mean, in like a living room, and you watch a TV, you see the warmth of the person. It feels like a two-way interaction. Right. But when you're that person making TV, making TV is not a very connecting experience. Yes. Watching TV is a connecting experience if it's done right. Yeah. So um, people confuse their experience watching TV with the experience of making TV. And so um, getting comfortable with making TV that feels warm and connecting um, is yeah. something you can do. That's really interesting that you said that because it is, it's basically you and you know 30 other people that are also like, for me, that's why I really love live stuff because live you get automatic reaction, good or bad. Mm-hmm. You know that you can feel that room right in the moment. If you're cooking or talking or whatever it is, you know exactly where you stand. And when you say live, you mean like live, like in front of a live NES. Yeah. I mean, I what do you mean like live, like if the, you're doing, no, I mean live, I mean live in person. Like, uh, I call my show stand up cooking where it's, uh-huh. it's, it is a demonstration, but like, uh, you know, I'm talking to a live audience of whatever it is. Sometimes it's 20 people. Sometimes it's 5,000 people. And then you get and, energy. Also, right, you get energy. You know, like if a joke lands, when it's you versus thirty crew members, one everyone's trained to not respond because right. they have to be quiet. Yeah, that's why and they're like, not laughing. That's why they're not laughing, and it, and you have to sort of work through those sort of things. And you're right, you have the phone. You can buy a mic that just connects to your phone, and you can even easily for free download a teleprompter app. Like if you really were worried about, you know, like writing your own cold open for a Facebook show or whatever, you can just have a teleprompter right up on your screen. Okay, but yeah. I, but here's what if I you need it, if you I, needed it. 
Yeah. I, would, I wouldn't. I, here's what I would do instead. Yeah. I would do a live show and just have it be messy. Yeah. Because if you start getting used to that teleprompter, I, I, I would then just start it small. In fact, then maybe don't even start with a show. Start with um, a Q and A right. and have some, you know, have some yeah. pre-done questions ahead of time. Mm. Make it smaller, but make it live and authentic. That's why I actually and love, I, why I love Instagram Stories. Okay. Because they, for people also who are trying to break into the industry, Instagram Stories teaches you how to talk in 13 second sound bites. Yes. And so like if you can't, really quickly. yeah, and, and if you can't, and if you can't really get your point across in 13 seconds, you need that sometimes on mm-hmm. on one of these shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, fascinating. We're gonna we're gonna have to do it. Uh, we're gonna yeah we're gonna have to do a, a second episode with you and dive deeper into this stuff. This one is a classic starving for attention game. It's called scarf or barf. Oh okay. Like we're bringing back yeah. a classic. We haven't done it in months. Only for you since you're in my, in my dining room. Um, and it's nice just to have yeah. two, two uh, possible answers. Yeah, and you can, of course, expand okay, on these. Scarf or barf? Scarf or barf. So obviously, okay. you, barf means you don't like it. Yeah. Uh, I got it. The idea of charcoal everything. Charcoal toothpaste and charcoal... <sighs> Face scrubs and charcoal roasted potatoes yeah. by Michael Voltaggio. I bought charcoal shampoo the other day. Yes. And I got home. I was like, I'm such a schmuck. You're a hipster. So I'm, no, I was so disappointed <laughs> in myself. I'm Why? Like, I'm you bought it. I'm in the shower and I'm putting this in my and I realized I don't even know what this is going to do. Mm. Um, so I'm going to have to say Oh, so, okay. So that you fell for the marketing I of it, even though there are, I think but there I, are. I do like, I do like charcoal uh, face masks. Oh, yeah. See, I have some charcoal toothpaste I'm going to use when I go downstairs. Uh, what about meal delivery kits? <laughs> it's supposed to... Oh, I'm in the bathroom. I have a bathroom now. So. Uh, <laughs> when you leave and I brush my teeth. Uh, meal delivery kits. This one's... I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this because I feel like you are kind of a meal delivery kit in and of yourself when you're talking to your fans. Um, I, I I like them. I, you know, Scarf, I think that... Listen, I think it's a great... Um, stopgap for the times that you'd rather do order out. Right. So, and and have you used them before or, or at least tested a couple of them? I'm sure you've had well, you've had deals and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but but generally but yeah. they teach you how to cook. I, I feel from the business perspective that they're a challenge because they make they make their own business redundant because after you cook three or four times with a meal delivery kit you're like, oh I'm making a vinaigrette now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna buy chickpeas right. next time. Like yeah. I get it. Yeah. Uh, pumpkin spice everything. Which has become the basic girls, like you, you know, that's like the, the 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 definition of being basic right now. So I'm also kind of asking you if you're basic in the same sentence. Pumpkin spice everything. I'm sorry, I'm a barf. Yeah, but were you always a barf, or have you? I, uh, yeah, I, I. You were. Yeah. I, okay. You know, here's what it comes down to. I I don't like nutmeg, and I don't like allspice. Mm. So I like cinnamon. Yeah. So um, I don't like I like pumpkin pie. Yeah. But I'm pretty compartmentalized about that being um, um, for Thanksgiving. So, yeah, no. Yeah, do, do you, what about uh, the general theme then of these holiday spice mixtures? Because, like, I'm, I'm much more of a, ooh, chestnut praline sort of guy than I am a pumpkin spice kind of guy. But it's just because I think I like Christmas a little bit okay, more here's than the fall. Problem. I think all of those flavors tend to be put in places that they don't belong. Like I don't, for me, no sugar ever belongs yeah. in coffee. Right. I, I don't, that coffee is co- coffee. So, um, so I don't like any of I have that. so much more and respect for you right now than I, I ever also, have. <laughs> I, I also don't like that then it gets morphed into, um, into these artificial flavors. So then you have like pumpkin spice tortilla chips, pumpkin right. spice shampoo. Oh yeah. And it's, to me, it has become 
synonymous with artificial flavoring and sugar in places where it doesn't belong. And I'm so against all of that. So do I have pumpkin pie spice in my cupboard? For sure. Do I mind using it in muffins? No. Right. But that, that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. What happened to good old days when it was just candles? They were just candles <laughs> that smelled like pumpkins and then pumpkins tasted like pumpkins and now everything tastes like pumpkins. Uh, aquafaba. Oh, I love aquafaba. Oh, I like, I, I just like saying aquafaba, uh, I, which okay. sounds like a band from the 70s. I made aquafaba, um, I made aquafaba. Right. I used aquafaba to make um, like whip. Yeah. Uh, for it's Tuesday somewhere. I bet, and of course. It was, it was, it was a fun little episode. In fact, we even put a clip of it in, um, in like my promo. So if you ever go to my Facebook page, I'm going to check and, it like, out. Just click on like the, like the little promo for, you know, there's like a 30 second, like promo for it's Tuesday night somewhere. Right. Um, Aquafaba is featured. In we should develop a like food network personality band called Aquafaba, you and I, and like, we'll, so do we get to pick what we do first? Cause I'd love to learn how to play the drums. Yeah. Well, you can be the drummer. You can be yeah. the cool drummer. I want to be the bassist no, or lead singer, but I don't think I can pull it off. I'm obviously not lead character material. That's more of me talking to food network right now. Uh, avocado toast. I, I scarf. Nice. Okay. So, so that's the one that is also very, like people say now it's very basic. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing. The trend, the this, we have to separate out that kind of crazy trend and, and avocado toast worship with the fact that it's actually just really good. Yeah. And, and people then want to be trendy, be like, oh, kale, oh, it's yucky. You know what? I say, <laughs> yeah. kale yeah. is awesome. Yes. And, and I, get, I get that it got overdone. I get right. that. But, um, but that is not Kale's fault. Yeah, I like that too. Like delicious is delicious. And just because every, you know, uh, crummy hotel restaurant has a Caesar salad doesn't mean that Caesar salad isn't a delicious thing I, when it's I done uh, when correctly. When it's done well. Exactly. Uh, although, although interesting, you're like when it's done well. Like you're, if, if Caesar salad, so Caesar salad, scarf or barf, Caesar salad. I, I love Okay, Caesar all right, salad. all right. Because one is made well. It's, but, and, and, and I, you know, they always say that about pizza, right? right. Even bad pizzas. Which I don't believe. I totally, I yeah, not with pizza. Yeah, pizza when it's good, it is awesome. Right. I feel the same way about Caesar salad. Right. Caesar salad when it's good. Yeah. Awesome. Got it. There's bad um, pizza. But though. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't order pizza at a bad restaurant. I don't order ice cream. Is the one that like even when it's bad, it's good. I feel like. I disagree. Oh, but since, you know, you're like, you know, that's all right. We almost went through the whole thing. Uh, We're going to disagree on this one too, I bet. Canned cranberry, scarf or barf? Oh, um, okay. Canned cranberry. Canned Canned cranberry cranberry sauce. sauce. Okay. Okay. Um, You're just so specific. Well. Yeah. um, Okay. Canned jellied cranberry sauce. Whatever. No, wait. Did I say that twice? Canned. Cranberry, jelly. yeah, like yeah. So cranberry jelly, like, sure. You push it out. It makes the noise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good one. Yes. yes. That's my childhood experience. And then they slice it up. And but okay, like barf, like so barf, I can't even deal. But it reminds me of my childhood. Yeah. My mom was a horrible cook. As well, and mine. She's dead. Yeah. So I, As well, so, mine. So listen. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. We're back. We on both our have track. dead moms Yay. who loved cranberry jelly. Um. So I. I have a very soft spot in my heart for it, right. even though I get that it's barfy. Now, mm. canned whole cranberry sauce is scarf, mm. but not for Thanksgiving. I keep it on the cupboards to like make muffins or to um, add to uh, crumbles. So when that cranberry sauce goes on sale after Thanksgiving and you can get like five cans for a dollar, 
Like I load up my cupboard and then I use it like any time I'm like, oh, I only have one apple, but I can't make a crumble. Oh, pull out a can of the, mm. the whole cranberry. So the whole cranberry. That said, I don't serve that for Thanksgiving. It is so easy to make your own cranberry sauce that if you have access to a bag of fresh cranberries, definitely make it yourself if you have access. I feel like this is an upcoming episode of well, Tuesday okay. Night Somewhere. Yeah, no? cranberry sauce. Or, or it, ha- already, already it no, has no, been, that, for you sure. You know what? That's, no, that's, that's going to happen. Uh, so are you a big end cap shopper when you go to like, uh, if, if, if you dare no, step in that's, like... That's, uh, that's on sale? Yeah. Like, I, like the end caps at Target where you can get like, oh, a can of something for 32 cents sometimes or especially post-holidays like you're saying right. mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, here's pumpkin spice everything now or whatever, the cranberry sauce that's, you know, people think you're not going to buy. Okay, so let's differentiate yeah. because cranberry <laughs> sauce, whole cranberry sauce, yes, this is a get t- I, covered. Um, pumpkin, um, you know, actual pumpkin. Yeah. Pumpkin pack. Sure. You know, puree. Yeah. Absolutely. Get that on your cupboard. Got it. For me, because I don't like any of those, you know, like whatever pumpkin spice whatever popcorn sure sure pumpkin but, spice but you're okay with you're okay with the end caps or like at some supermarkets there's just like one cart in the back that's like oh, all like okay. super so, super discount no, okay. I'm talking to, to you Vons I don't want to split hairs <laughs> yes I shop at Vons you. yeah as you should yeah okay, there you go <laughs> family is, right. is a good family but okay but hold on let's, let's, let's separate those are two different things um, the end caps are um, you know where they're doing the sales, right? right? Where they're you know, and they can be deep yes. discounted sales. So that's yeah, that's a great place to look. Don't get don't get um, uh, seduced by uber low prices to get food that you're not going to eat or food that you can't incorporate in a sort of a meaningful way. And you know, like I said, mm, sure. not, not pumpkin spice noodles, but yes, on the pumpkin puree. Oh, lots of things you can do with. Noodles. I don't know, yeah. I was making that up, but I'm sure that exists. But. Um, but like pumpkin puree, you can use in a lot of different ways. Um, and that's going to have to be another episode. Yeah. I'm going to do that. We're going to do a holiday episode with you. For yeah, sure. that's what we're doing. Um, but now the single cart that is like usually by the dairy aisle mm. um, that has Preach. like the, like the, like the, has the orange sticker on it. Like the yeah. manager special, the 50% off or the 75% off. That's a different kind of sale. So you're looking for different things there. Expiration Often, dates. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. First of all, you're looking for expiration dates. But interestingly, it tends to be more that the, um, the SKU, um, that it's shifted around in um, the stock keeping unit. It's the, yeah. it's the number that's attached to a product. That the SKU is no longer fitting in the shelf. I didn't know. Was, I didn't know SKU stood for stock keeping unit. Oh, you just like you blew go. my mind. Yeah, SKU number. I'm yeah. glad it's, we got to 15 minutes in, and you blew my mind well, right that's now. That's my job. That's Guys. my job, my friend. <laughs> So what, what that usually means is that they can no longer have space for that item. So it's a different, that's why there's this mish, mishmash of um, products. The other products that will appear often in that single cart that you talked about at Vons will be smaller companies who will not take back extra unsold stock. Mm. So you'll also get some um, like great like um, ethnic food purchases like coconut milk or whatever from like Thai Kitchen or whatever. I'm making it up. I don't even know if that's the name of of a company. But, um, so my point is that that's a different shopping strategy. And I will tell you, I never go to the grocery store without glancing in there and seeing if there's something that's kind of cool that I use that I can, um, that I, that I can stock my shelves with. Uh, tips from Melissa D. Arabian to you crushing the game. Uh, chef at the end of the episode, we always do something called 86. It's 86. 
something in the world or your world or the food world or whatever that you want to get rid of and you want to 86 it can be it, it can be super super you know it doesn't have to be serious it could be fun what is Melissa the Arabian over what does she want to oh, get rid of so she's over. done with so many things I will tell you this for as positive a person as I am yes and as grateful as I wake up every day being I get annoyed by a lot of things. Mm. Like I, I yeah. as, as we all do. Yeah, so this I, is okay. Yeah, just so you, you know, know, like I that's, just, yeah, sort of it's not a, not a problem. Not like a problem. Gotta, like yeah. Seriously. Like bad Caesar it. salad and pumpkin spice noodles are obviously two things that, but that can upset you. Because they don't come into my face. Yes. You know, it's like, right. You, you know, your right to have pumpkin spice, whatever is fine. As long as you know, mm. your fist isn't hitting my face. Right? Fair like, enough. Yeah. So that being said, you were going to 86. Okay. I'm going to 86. Pulling out our phone and looking at it anytime we're standing in line for more than 30 seconds. Preach. Now, that one is tough because it's a, it is an addiction. It is an addiction. Yeah. And I think that it's a dangerous one because we are training ourselves, and myself included, by the way, we are training ourselves not to um, be able to tolerate even 30 seconds of our own mind and thoughts. And mm. I think that it is impairing our ability to be creative. It is impairing our ability to sit with ourselves and be comfortable um, with our own thoughts. Um, and I think it's impairing our ability to concentrate because we get into this immediate feedback loop. And so the one thing that I um, challenge myself to do and I find myself sort of doing it, it's sort of like my one little like trigger, like, oh, make sure I don't do this. And I also have it with my kids is when you're standing in line, just just standing in line, commit to not looking at your phone. Yes. That's it. Oh, I love that. That doesn't mean that you can't look at your phone or other Yeah, times yeah. Whatever, but standing in line. Now, if you're at the DMV, okay, that's a different story. But if it's going to be under five minutes, sure. just sit with the Or even minutes. at dinner, like just don't look at your phone oh, for well, dinner. Things that's, like that, that's right? Easy. We yes. can do that at dinner. Yeah. But, but lines. Lines are where I am personally challenging myself and I challenge my kids and now I challenge you and your listeners. Yeah. It's just next time you're in line and you go to grab your phone just for a moment. Just put it back and see what five minutes in your head feels like. Well said. That is that is the answer right there. Melissa D. Arabian, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We'll do another episode, maybe the holiday pumpkin spice yeah, noodle cranberry perfect. jelly episode. Uh, do us a favor. Jump on over to iTunes. Drop us a review. Starving for Attention is the only five-star thing that I've ever done in my life. I know you love this episode. Uh, give us a little review. Tell us how uh, you enjoyed hanging out with Melissa D. Arabian and myself and Jasmine. And until next week, stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. Thank you so much for listening. You make it all happen. And also our sponsors have something to do with that as well. Uh, Analon, thank you so much. You can visit Macy's to shop the collection or go to Analon.com now. And of course, True Car. Visit True Car for a better car buying experience.